0: you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. had a serious debate with myself about what this final episode of the week should be about between what better prepares a high school player for the NBA, college, or the G League, and the recently released odds on who will win MVP next season. The results of a poll of 10 executives and or scouts came out where they were asked who the best player of the league is and five voted for Giannis Antetokounmpo and five for Kevin Durant, prompting LeBron sexuals out there to erupt with accusations of LeBron being grossly disrespected for not getting a single vote. Let me dispatch that rather quickly. There's no metric by which anyone would say, based on last season, that LeBron James is the best player in the league. No metric, no accomplishment, no anecdotal evidence. None. There is far more evidence that Steph Curry, as the league's leading scorer, should have been in the conversation, or maybe reigning MVP Nikola Jokic, who led in a number of categories. Yet they weren't either. And no one was complaining. It also is not a sign of disrespect or an indication that LeBron, Steph, or Jokic are not in the conversation. It's not as if the 10 execs and scouts got together and decided who they'd vote for or had multiple choices and left LeBron completely off their list. There were 10 people. They each had one choice. This wasn't like voting for MVP where there are five slots on the ballot. Honestly, it would have been crazier if any of them had named LeBron because he wasn't the best player in the league this past season. It would have suggested they were either voting based on what he's been in the past or what they believe he still might do in the future, which wasn't the question. Enough on that. Let's turn our attention to the subject of what best prepares players for a career in the NBA. And one of the reasons why I felt the need to do this now is because LaMelo Ball from the Charlotte Hornets doubled down and said the players don't need college. Lamello obviously didn't go to college, didn't finish high school, went over and played briefly in Lithuania and then over in Australia. Lamello is a very unusual case, I would say. Lamelo is speaking from his experience, not collective. More years ago than I care to admit, I asked Mike Dunleavy Jr. and a few others what would have helped them more as players, staying another year in college or going to the NBA a year sooner. All of them said going pro, though Dunleavy had the proviso of If I'm getting at least 15 to 20 minutes of playing time, going pro for sure. Now, Dunleavy went to Duke, played three years there. Mike Dunleavy was the third overall pick in the 2002 draft. Mike Dunleavy played 15 years in the NBA. And Mike Dunleavy is saying he would have been better served if he had gone pro or gone to the NBA sooner rather than later. So I really didn't need to hear any more. At that point, I agreed with Melo. Guys didn't need college. Dunleavy went to an NBA factory, played for a coach in Mike Krzyzewski who drew interest from the NBA more than once, and coached LeBron, Kobe, and a host of other NBA greats on Team USA. If he was going to, Mike that is, was going to be tutored, mentored, by a coach who could get him ready for the NBA, he could not have gone to a better place. And obviously had to deal with all the attention that comes with playing in a big program like Duke. But Dunleavy's reason for saying it would have been he would have been better served if he had turned pro was simple. Even at a great program, he might be matched up against another NBA caliber talent three or four times in a season. The NCAA also has all sorts of rules on how much you can train, or be coached, or play in organized games. The NBA has none of that. Guys can and do often live in the gym, and now NBA teams have created their 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 arenas, well, their facilities, their practice facilities, so that guys can they can. There's a chef on hand. Uh, they can get treatment. They can they can get everything they need. It's probably a place that they can sleep if they want. That doesn't exist in the NCAA or in college. So but when I ask don't leave you that question then I'll go ahead and cop to it. It was at least 18 years ago, and a lot has changed, not so much with the game, but with everything else. The reason I asked the question in the first place is because at that time, players could come directly to the NBA from high school. Some that did struggled early on, and there were those at the time who promoted the idea that, that they'd be more fundamentally sound if they went to college or stayed longer. That's why I only asked players who actually went to college for at least a year. Because the high school players... If I'm asking, well, do you think you would have been better served if you went to college than pro? They didn't have anything to compare. But a guy who went to college and then was in the NBA could tell me the comparison. Anyway, those players who went straight from high school to the NBA, some that did struggled early on. And there were those who at the time, promoted the idea that they'd be more fundamentally sound if they went to college or stayed longer. It was an argument usually made by college media, basketball media, or former college coaches working in the media. I always thought it was not only self-serving, but wrong. We were past the days of Dean Smith and Bobby Knight, where high school basketball still ruled over AAU. Demanding the same pecking order as in college. Incoming freshmen were drilled on basics and they had to wait their turn to succeed the upperclassmen. Now, AAU was sweet talking players who showed the skills or size or athleticism to play at the next level, and they were being treated to gear and traveling around the country to tournaments and exposure to the biggest and best. College basketball programs in the country. That was the carrot from AAU teams. Come play for us, and this is what we will do for you. The hierarchy and discipline previously demanded disappeared. It was, it went from one minute the player trying to find out what it was that he needed to do in order to play to The coaches, the people running the program, or the teams, the AAU team, saying, what is it that we need to do for you in order to get you to play for us? College programs soon had to follow suit. Promises of immediate playing time or being featured in the offense with hints of having NBA connections were used to attract talent, along with, no doubt, money in a paper bag. We'll put that to the side. The combination of shots and playing time given not earned with the limitations on how many hours they were allowed to spend with a coach or play under the auspices of the school put a serious drag on any player's development who went to college that's why players who were highly ranked as draft prospects coming out of high school who went to college seemed to slide with every year they stayed i witnessed first hand the same phenomenon in college soccer at least among the truly elite players. It's why we as a country developed so few pros at that time. Our 15 or 16 year olds weren't considered good enough to play soccer overseas in their minor league or development programs but they were too good to actually improve playing in college. When they were playing club they could play as many games as they wanted. They were probably getting better coaching from the coaches who were running those programs because they were making more money doing it. Uh, But they were too good to actually improve playing in college. So, and there were a few other factors involved that limited the ability to go overseas, but suffice it to say, in soccer at least, there weren't options. In basketball, of course, we now have the G League. where players who have no interest in getting an education can spend their year waiting that, they, that is necessitated by NBA rules, uh, they can do it immediately getting paid and playing against the kind of physically developed players they'd face in the NBA and then enter the draft. Uh, until the G League was truly developed, it was, well, the CBA was, when the CBA was in existence, it was still you could go straight from high school to the pros. I can't think of any players that went to the CBA, Continental Basketball Association, which the G League succeeded. It was, you were either going overseas, which Brandon Jennings did, uh, Manuel Moutier. That was a very limited thing too. Players coming out of high school, many of them weren't prepared to go overseas and live in a different culture. Took a very unique Uh, individual to to be able to handle that willing even willing to do it the G League opens up a whole other 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 option because not having to leave the United States is a big deal so we now have this option and they can also aside from getting paid uh, and playing against physically the kind of physical players that they're going to face and as a pro they can also get acclimated to nba sets especially if they are on a g-league team dedicated to one specific nba team currently 26 nba teams have their own g-league affiliate now i originally applauded this development largely because it meant that players out of high school weren't subjected to being thrown into the deep end of the nba playing in front of 18,000 fans who had paid top dollar for their ticket and expected to see top dollar performances that was one of the big issues with allowing players to come directly from high school it was sink or swim and once the age limit is done away with in the next collective bargaining agreement which is anticipated then i believe you're going to see high school players still going to the g-league maybe getting drafted but spending a decent amount of time in the g-league if they're not ready to go Or bouncing back and forth between the two we've already seen that with players who went to college for a year or two but weren't quite ready to play in the nba but when it was when there was no g-league option it was drafting a high school player and then it was sink or swim they were being asked to do too much too soon in many cases they never recovered from that initial battering of their confidence it was also bad business The silver lining of paying to watch a lottery team was knowing you'd see a lottery-level talent join the team the following season. But with high schoolers taken at the top of the draft, they were getting top pick potential, and fans were paying full freight to watch their sometimes painful growth. It also created, created the same dissension to be found at the AAU and collegiate level. Players were being given a place in the rotation or on the floor based on what had been invested in them, not what they had necessarily earned or proved that they could handle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promotate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The G League, for reasons I suspect I know but need to check out before I air, out of respect for a couple of former players I know and respect who are in charge of the G League, Sharif Abdul-Rahim and Rod Strickland, created a team this past season strictly for the top high school players not interested in going to college. It was called the Ignite, based in Walnut Creek, California, here in the Bay Area. And I will tell you, did not hear a peep about them for the better part, uh, well, pretty much for their existence here. Was not heavily covered by any means. Not covered. Not even heavily covered. Not covered. Now, part of it is because it last season was operated down in Florida, in in the bubble. So we'll see if that changes moving forward. But had a host of straight out of high school players that played for the Ignite: Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix and Prince Paul Singh the first three were all taken in this draft Knicks and Singh went undrafted but played for the Sixers and Kings summer league teams respectively we'll see if they end up on a roster this season the problem with the Ignite it wasn't a true pro setting Green and Kaminga were paid the same deference they would have had they gone to college in that they were inserted in the starting lineup from the start and played big minutes even though there were better and more experienced players, Jarrett Jack being one, who normally would have played ahead of them. The green you saw in the first game against Cade Cunningham in their first summer league matchup, forcing the issue, trying to do too much, a little too focused on proving he was better than Cade and not succeeding, instead of just trying to play and win the game was the exact same green who played against the Santa Cruz Warriors in their G League season opener. That last G League season, as I mentioned, was played in a bubble down in Florida, which obviously created a naturally unnatural, artificial experience. But that's not the reason I've switched my view about turning pro being a better means of development than going to college. I now believe it's the other way around. Going to college for most players would benefit them more than going to the G League. And the reason is the media in general and social media in particular. Green and the rest of the players had relatively no exposure playing in the G League. And that wasn't just because they were in the bubble. G League teams are located in relatively small towns. That are lucky to have one local newspaper and one local tv outlet they also generally don't have a fan base that is flooding social media platforms with commentary even those devout fans from the nba team that's affiliated with the g-league team are not spending a whole lot of time scrutinizing play and players with the g-league team i would bet Cade's experience at oklahoma state or Evan Mobley's at USC, involved far more interviews with media and far more scrutiny on social media, whether it was on campus or on the court. They had to conduct themselves in a way subject to scrutiny inside and outside the locker room that I assure you Green and Kaminga did not. They were largely sheltered from all of that. Yeah, It's not as if they hadn't experienced some of that on the AAU circuit. But it's not the same, roaming around the country, dropping into a city to play a tournament, and rolling back out again. It hits a little different when it's people who see you on a daily basis walking across the quad or playing in front of them that, and as they're part of a 10,000 screaming faces arena, which are not the kind of crowds D-League or AAU teams draw. I've long felt baseball players are the least socially equipped pro athletes to deal with questions and criticism because so many of them go straight from high school into the minor leagues, playing in settings very similar to the G League. Small towns where all their time is consumed by basketball and the only people they spend their time with are other basketball players or coaches. They do not develop as people as round, well-rounded human beings. It is a cocoon that does not prepare them for the rest of the world that they are going to have to deal with when they reach the major league level. In the G League, the only thing Green or Kaminga had to think about or do is basketball, which creates a warped view of both the world and the definition of success. Jalen Green, for example, had the goal of being the number one pick. That's like wanting to score the highest grade in a class. It's making the end your definition of success. As opposed to knowing the material better than anybody else in the class. It's going by the scoreboard. And that's not what being a pro is all about. Great teams and great players don't measure themselves by the scoreboard because they know that can be deceiving. The score, they could play great and lose depending on how their opponent played. They could play terribly and win and, again, not a true measure of what they actually did. So, great teams, great players set their own standard which is a level of play and they recognize what is excellence and what is not and they hold themselves to that. Now there's nothing wrong with having a goal like wanting to be the number one pick but being selected number one doesn't necessarily mean you're the best player. There's the need of the team picking number one that could influence the decision along with the insight and intelligence of the team's talent evaluators and if a player doesn't recognize that then he doesn't recognize yet how the pro game works jalen green from what i've seen plays like a guy who is less worried about being the best player and more focused on being viewed as the best player it's a subtle distinction but there is a difference it reminds me of kelly Oubre jr he and jalen does both in appearance and attitude Oubre wanted to be assured that he would start for the Warriors next season. And they wouldn't, when they wouldn't guarantee him that, he bolted for Charlotte. I find that problematic. There are a host of players who are or were one of their team's best players who didn't start but assuredly finished games. That is the mark of a great player. And understanding that is the mark of a player who has his head in the right place. Jarrett Jack understood that when he played for the Warriors. And multiple times. He and I talked about it. Multiple teams. What mattered for him is that he wanted to be on the floor when it was winning time. That was the true testament to who he was. That was a team, that was a coach showing him respect. Derrick Rose is one now. Manu Ginobili was one for the Spurs. So, it's a matter of what is most important to you? And that seems to be missing, and clearly Jalen Green did not learn that playing in the G League. It will be interesting to watch the comparative development of Josh Giddy, the Australian who also bypassed a year in college, playing pro in Australia's NBL before declaring for the draft and being taken sixth by the Oklahoma City Thunder, just ahead of Kaminga, who was selected by the Warriors giddy by all appearances played in a true pro setting having to earn his minutes and his role and the nba nbl is big enough in australia that i'm sure he was exposed to a lot of the other elements i mentioned will be waiting for him in the nba yes even in oklahoma city all right that does it for this episode of on the ball on the united WeCast network Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned at the top, the subject for the next episode, which will be the first next week, will be the odds on who is going to win MVP next season. And I am, well, I like to say I'm stunned, but I'm not, that Luka Doncic is once more the favorite or being given the best odds of winning it. I do not expect that he will once again. And I'll give you some names of guys that I believe are better options and have a better chance. We'll get into all of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, have a great weekend and thanks for listening.